Welcome to the new Arab Voice, our podcast bringing you compelling stories and deep dives from the Middle East, Africa, Asia, and beyond. The world has found itself in an unprecedented situation due to the coronavirus pandemic. And the Middle East is not any different. In today's episode, I want to bring to light the heartwarming stories that have emerged from this tragedy. From the frontline medics and nurses to creatives and activists, individuals across the globe have band together to fight the virus that is changing the very fabric of our society. I'll be speaking to many brave individuals, including activists in Lebanon and artists in Palestine, to find out how everyone in their own capacity can band together to survive this trying time. And before we get started today, I really want to ask you to consider donating to global relief responses led by groups such as the World Health Organization and Global Giving, who are helping frontline workers all over the world but desperately need our support. Doctors everywhere are scrambling to find beds for their patients while simultaneously trying everything they can to save them from death. As cases of coronavirus rise exponentially, medics are having to find creative ways to treat patients during this pandemic. A group of medical doctors in Egypt have set up a Facebook page offering free virtual consultations to take the pressure off of overworked medical staff in hospitals and clinics. The group includes doctors of all specializations who will directly answer questions from the public. The initiative is vital to address people's concerns and questions directly from their homes, combating mass panic which has caused overcrowding at clinics, hospitals and testing labs. It's no surprise that most of the questions asked are related to coronavirus, including the difference between colds and coronavirus symptoms and prevention methods. This is just one of the ways doctors in the region are forced to act creatively in order to free up beds in their hospitals for those most at risk. In Iran, which is the Middle East's hardest hit nation by this pandemic, doctors and nurses have posted videos on social media of themselves dancing in full protective gear in order to boost morale. In one video, a nurse dressed in emerald green scrubs and covered with protective gear from head to toe is grooving to Iranian pop. She's in a sterile hospital ward that suddenly comes alive with her dancing and blasting tunes. The video has over 12,000 likes, and many of the comments compliment the woman on her dance moves and keeping up the morale during such a difficult time. In another video, dozens of Iranian medics are filmed linking arms and bopping to Iranian traditional music as they take over their medical ward. There are excited claps and cheers by the other doctors and nurses who are watching the scene. Dancing in public can actually be considered as indecent behavior in Iran and can be punished by law, but these medics are choosing to defy the convention in the name of putting smiles on their colleagues' faces. The virus has been a blow to the morale of the people of Iran, one of the worst hit countries after China. Most people remain locked in their homes and many are increasingly feeling distrustful of a regime that has been said to underreport cases of the virus. Iran has confirmed more than 47,000 cases of coronavirus and more than 3,000 deaths, although public experts estimate the real death toll is much higher. (music) 
The pandemic has placed impossible strains on healthcare systems everywhere. While most cases of the coronavirus are mild and do not require hospitalization, a significant number of patients will still exhibit severe complications. Many of them will need breathing assistance through mechanical ventilators, but hospitals are dangerously low on these devices. Mechanical ventilation is used to take over the breathing process and help the lungs to breathe while the patient recovers. A breathing tube is inserted into the mouth. Once the tube is in place, the ventilator is then connected to it. In Lebanon, three engineering alumni from the state-run Lebanese University initiated a project to produce ventilators amid reports of severe equipment shortages in the country. The initiative just started as a proposal on Facebook, with Hisham Issa, Hussein Al-Hajassan and Hussein Hamdan launching the Lebanon Response Team's initiative. I spoke to Hisham about his work, and he told me the first warning signs that triggered his initiative came from Italy, one of the worst-hit countries in the world. There was a lot of Lebanese doctors who work in Italy sending messages to their families in Lebanon not to underestimate coronavirus because they have serious issues in Italy and the number of respirators is not sufficient for the patients. They were saying that you have to stay at home here in Italy. We are receiving thousands of patients daily and the doctors don't have choices. They don't have enough machines to put all the patients on the respirators. They have to take a very hard decision to say that this patient, we will keep him on the respirator and this patient, we cannot put him on the respirator. It was uh, very emotional. So I, I was thinking so if we got such outbreak in Lebanon, we definitely will have a shortage in respirators. And uh, we decided to put a post on Facebook to get the volunteers of engineers and the 3D printing experts who can help us to do this prototype. And actually, the, the post went viral. To date, the Lebanon response team has over 350 people who have joined the initiative, volunteering their expertise in different backgrounds, including mechanical, system, electronics and biomedical engineering. Several doctors have also offered their assistance, free of charge. The ventilators now have a preliminary prototype that will be tested once completed, but the group is working on eight other projects, including desperately needed face masks. Hisham says that his drive and motivation comes from his profession. Doctors doing their, their best to try to help, but the importance of engineering, I feel, is to serve the need. There is a need. You have to do a solution to help close this gap. So from this perspective, me and uh, Hash Hassan and Hamdan, we thought that we have to do something. It's easy task to, to, to decide that, yes, I want to do it. But when you get into it, there are a lot of details. You have to work on them because you are, you are doing a machine which, which is going to keep the patient alive. This is the only machine which is keeping the patient alive until their lungs recover. The response team is now also holding meetings with officials from the Lebanese Ministries of Health and Labor, who are interested in developing the project further. The government was very supportive after our initiative. The ministry called for a meeting based on our initiative, actually, for all the Lebanese uh, industrial people who have factories, who are used to do machines, to uh, brainstorm and find out how we can accelerate such a project. So the one of the best things which our initiative have achieved, this project become bigger than Hisham and Hamdan and Hashan. This, this project become uh, in the level of Lebanon. And if you see now, after our initiative, there is a huge number of teams are trying to work on the same respirator project, maybe different concepts. And uh, many uh, companies in Lebanon declared also they are working on respirator projects and they already have prototypes being tested now. Hisham tells me he wants his initiative to be an inspiration to all, and especially to engineers, in order to understand that individuals can truly make a difference.
I want to say a small message to all the engineers and the colleagues, even the undergraduate students, that they don't underestimate their uh, small ideas because uh, everything started in a small idea. Whenever they find a need in the society and for the people, it's actually a good idea. You never know, you will be able to maybe save lives of people because you just thought about a small thing. Another group of Lebanese activists took matters into their own hands when they launched an initiative called Beitna Beitak, or Our House is Your House. They want to help dozens of Lebanese health workers find free accommodation close to their place of work and help them self-isolate away from family members. One of the founders, Temur Zesati, told me he was just a 33-year-old father producing furniture before the revolution broke out in Lebanon, which changed his life forever. After the whole revolution, I started being a full-time activist on the streets, fighting for our rights and fighting for this revolution and to make a better Lebanon for all of us. We cleaned the streets, we did awareness campaigns, we distributed food for needy families. We organized and started a group of activists and kind of party, if you want, that is called Mintishreen. And then after that came Baitna Baitak. Baitna Baitak came as an idea when a friend of mine was uh, telling me he had his Airbnb apartments. He had vacancy and no clients for them. So we started talking to doctors and contacting them and we saw that they needed these apartments because they needed to be quarantined away from their families. And we were able in a week with a team of five, six people to get more than 250 beds for doctors, nurses and Red Cross volunteers. Mass protests broke out all over the country last year, with thousands demanding better economic conditions in the country. And now they have to deal with a pandemic. With little trust in the present government, which many believe is no different from the one overthrown by the protests in October, people have taken matters into their own hands, highlighting the endemic weaknesses of the state and the potency of citizen activism as an alternative. Tamar is one of those people. He believes that the government at this time cannot be trusted and that vital initiatives like Beitna Beitak rely on individual responsibility. It's clear that the Lebanese people were smart enough to not wait for the government's green light to start quarantining themselves and doing initiatives like this for helping people with food and for helping especially with Beitna Beitak. Uh, the government is obviously underperforming as it has always been. People are too scared now to talk about the government too much, but obviously it's clear that with people donating all their monies to NGOs and to people like us, it means that they do not have faith in this government anymore and they would not give a penny to this government because the government is doing nothing. So people have faith in people who were never part of this political system or this corruption. Tamor says having more volunteers can help his campaign grow. So look up Beitna Beitak if you're in Lebanon and want to lend a hand. Or why not start thinking about establishing a group like that in your country? Reach out to us if you do. Another vital tool of defense that has been on short supply is the much sought after face mask. To respond to the shortage, many business owners across the world have decided to tailor their production lines to make masks for doctors and the general public. In the West Bank, in the occupied Palestinian territories, a shoemaker by the name of Amjad Zagir has set up a mask factory almost overnight. Zagir's factory is now producing thousands of masks a day in the hope of avoiding a depletion of mask supplies for Palestinians. 
The United Nations has warned that a COVID-19 outbreak in Palestine could be disastrous, given the high poverty rates and weak health system struggling from decades of Israeli occupation. The city of Bethlehem in the occupied West Bank confirmed its first cases of COVID-19 this month, and authorities immediately announced a state of emergency. As soon as Aguirre became aware of the situation, he grabbed a mask and came up with a plan to recreate it before local stocks ran out. We suddenly received a huge request for masks from government organizations as well as NGOs. The demand was unbelievable. So the idea came to me to produce face masks here in Hebron. We have a severe lack of them in Palestine. Our output is roughly 5,000 to 7,000 face masks daily. At the beginning, these were sent to government institutions, those in Bethlehem to be precise. There are a lot of cases of coronaviruses there. Now we send them to hospitals and pharmacies as well. The scale of the demand is huge. Our total production doesn't even meet 10% of the demand in the Palestinian market. Meanwhile, in Gaza, a group of young artists have decided to contribute to the fight against the virus through art. Huddled around a small table with walls covered in art and graffiti surrounding them, Palestinian artists Samah Saeed, Durgam Krake and Tamar are painting on N95 respirator masks in a bid to encourage people to wear them and to raise awareness about the pandemic. Durgam says the trio used social media to solicit interest in their project, hoping it would lift morale during a very stressful time. We came up with the idea, I and Tamer and Summer, to do something new for the love of the people, to make them wear protective masks. Then we thought about drawing on the mask and doing cheerful things, things related to love and peace. So we went to a pharmacy and we bought protective masks. We started painting on them, then we published our work on social media. People liked it, they liked the idea a lot, so they started asking us for masks and bringing us masks to draw on them. In her pink hijab, Samah draws two elephants playing on a green grass field underneath a bright blue sky. This idyllic scenery turns the sterile white mask into a canvas for drawings of a happier world, far removed from the everyday struggles of Palestinians. We draw on masks, we draw scary things because the virus is very scary and harmful. We also draw bright and hopeful things so that people like to wear masks. In a parallel act of heroism, Palestinian refugees in the Burj al-Barajne camp in Lebanon are constructing Palestinian-themed protective masks to help fight the spread of coronavirus. In this warehouse, two struggles emanating from very different sources find common ground. The workers hunched over their sewing machines are wearing bright orange jumpsuits and masks which emulate the traditional kefiya scarf pattern. Fashioning one of the masks himself, Maher al-Hajj, a Palestinian cartoonist and factory production manager, said the operation aims to help both the refugees who find themselves in limited employment situations and the global need for masks. Of course, this initiative is thanks to Mr. Jihad Muhammad. He's a Palestinian businessman. He wanted to help his people and to help the people of the Palestinian refugee camps due to their economic conditions. We know that the masks have gotten very expensive and there is some sort of competition in the market over its price. So he named his initiative the Jerusalem Mask. In four or five days, we've been able to produce more than 50,000 masks. I can't tell you when it comes to the preparations, obtaining the initial materials. It's a project done during a very difficult time. 
The fabric that we're using is a microfiber fabric, whose contour prevents the particles of the virus from passing through it. We will cover all people, without any distinction or racism or thinking. No, this is a war in the name of humanity, a war without Lebanese or Palestinians. There are even Lebanese areas that we are delivering to, and they are benefiting, and hopefully things will get better. Even after apartheid and occupation, Palestinians managed to hold on to their will to survive through yet another threat to their livelihood each in any way they can. In Canonica Dadda, a town in northern Italy, the streets are silent except for a small fruit and vegetable shop under the arches surrounding a small square. Stationed at the front of the store is a handmade sign. It reads, Ten years ago you welcomed me. Now I want to say thank you. If you need, take every fruit and vegetable that you see on this table for free. Everything will be well. These words are a reference to the hashtag everything will be alright trend, which started as an attempt to reassure the citizens of Italy that their current devastation since the outbreak of the coronavirus will not last forever. Italy has the highest numbers of deaths from the virus to have ever been recorded, and the rise in infections doesn't seem to be stopping. Sameh, an Egyptian vendor, immigrated to Italy in 2010. He opened his fruit and vegetable shop just four years later. He says Italy let him in with open arms, and now he feels lucky to call it his home. With a face mask hiding his smile, he says that the sign in front of his shop means, I love you, Italy. (laughs) In fluent Italian, he explains that he wants to help those who welcomed him through this very difficult period, as he is one of the only shops still open besides the big supermarket in this small town. Sameh adds that many have been to his shop to grab the free oranges, apples, and even strawberries he's giving away for free. When he goes to the market, he says he always looks for things he can add to the pile of fruit and veg on offer. He doesn't forget the kindness that was shown to him in a country that has recently made news for its hostile treatment of migrants and blocking migrant boats in the Mediterranean from coming to its shores. Now it seems everyone, regardless of their origin, is in the same boat. While many all over the world are suffering indescribable tragedies due to the global pandemic, we want to acknowledge and thank all of the hardworking doctors and frontline responders who are working in strenuous conditions. Far too often in the past several years, they have been left underfunded and underequipped. And yet today, they are our first line of defense and our best hope. If you can, please consider donating to global relief funds such as the World Health Organization and Global Giving, with many other groups responding to the crisis, some of which we have listed on a link in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to The New Arab Voice. This episode was researched by Sara Khalil and Gassia Ohanes, and produced by myself, Gaia Karamatsa.